Hey everyone, welcome to the Sketchnote Army Podcast. This is Mike Rohde, and I wanted to leave a little note before we got started to just to let you know uh, that this episode of the podcast, audio quality is a little bit different than normal. We've uh, flipped the script a little bit. I've called in to my guest, and my guest actually did the recording for me because we were having so many technical problems. So you'll notice that the quality of my voice is not great, but the most important part, my guest's voice sounds great. So please enjoy this, and hopefully that's not too distracting for you. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Sketchnote Army podcast. This is your host, Mike Rohde, the author of the Sketchnote Handbook and the Sketchnote Workbook, and I am excited to welcome Diane Black to the show. In fact, uh, she's inviting me to the show because we've had so many technical problems that we actually resorted to me calling her. So we're, we'll be really curious to see how this service works out, Diane. Yes, I'm excited to be here, and I'm glad we made it through all the technical hurdles. Yes, yes. So I think it's going to be worth it. And um, so like with every one of these shows, uh, I love to start with context. Um, many people may know who you are. I'm sure if your fans are listening, they're going to know. But there's probably many people, I mean, with so many million people and billions of people in the world, it's a real good chance there's people that don't know who you are. And this is a great opportunity to sort of explain who you are, where, what you come, where you come from, and what you do so that people can understand as we have a discussion about visual thinking and sketchnoting. Great. Where do you want me to start? You want me to just start with who I am? Yeah, let's start there. And then uh, so it's who you are and then uh, what kind of things that you do for uh, other people. Okay. So I am a innovation strategist is really what I call myself right now. And so for the last 20 years, I have been co-creating with businesses, large and small solutions. You can see in the form of graphic facilitation or graphic recording or infographics. Um, and then I'm also the founder of the doodle Institute, as well as the author of discovery doodles. You can doodle and doodling is thinking. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, so what kind of uh, engagements do you get involved with um, in that kind of work? So I'll tell you about my two most recent projects. So the two most recent ones that I've been working on is I created, I co-created, hang on, let me start with that again. So the most recent project that I've been working on has been building a center for leadership development for a large organization, a large pharmaceutical organization. And they were looking at how do they capture some of their knowledge and share it back in a powerful way. And we really wanted to create our own content. We just didn't want to go out and have to source content and buy content and have to pay you know, outrageous fees for um, other people's content. And so we went in and we designed it. We designed it together and we, we co-created what it was going to look like. And then my portion of it was building 25 animated videos for it to help explain really complex conversations that most of the organizations still didn't really understand. A lot of those HR conversations that are taboo and no one wants to talk about, we were able to create really powerful visuals to help them lean into that conversation. Hmm. Wow. So you're really facilitating this communication by using visuals to do that and sort of taking your skills and bringing life to ideas that often you know, as we know, get lost inside PowerPoints or huge documents full of great text. And, you know, those, those images are just sort of lost in that sea of uh, information. So you're sort of in a way 
rescuing uh, rescuing those ideas from that scene and uh, making them more visible to the people that need to see them, right? Exactly. What I tell them is I tell them, I love to come in and I speak geek. So give me all your tech guys who work in the basement that no one knows what they do. And I will help people understand what they do by, by breaking mm. it down into a simple visual vocabulary so that they can start to see what everyone's roles and positions are and, and how to make their way through the different processes and channels and funnels within the organization. So the other thing I wanted to tell you about is I just recently went to North Carolina where I did training with my friend uh, Muddy. So Muddy and Diane, the doodle girl, went down to North Carolina mm-hmm. And we worked with an entire organization of 27 employees and we ran a workshop that we call, our training is called Innovation ThinkPad. And it's about using a pad of paper and unlocking it for innovation. So we do um, Mm. activities to get them drawing, to get them comfortable, to get them understanding how to create their own visual vocabulary within the organization. So we'll say, tell me some of the 20 things that that you say every day in your organization. And this one was specifically focused on the local government. So some of their icons were, we're focused on education. We're focused on meals on wheels. We're focused on um, online learning and and trying to get um, education into everyone's homes. And so we made our own visual vocabularies for them. And we had everyone from the um, administration assistant who, who answers the phones to the CEO all in the room drawing and doodling and unlocking all of their creativity together. And so we, we ran a six-hour workshop with them, um, helping them to start changing the way that they communicated inside of their organization. Wow, that sounds really fascinating. I think it's so needed. I do very similar things with organizations and universities as well. So I I can definitely attest to the need for that and and the desire by people inside organizations looking for different ways to communicate um, with, you know, as we mentioned before, PowerPoints and, you know, Word documents to death to the point that they're just swimming in it and they they need ways to kind of communicate and cut through that, through that noise. Um, And tell me a little bit now. Yeah. Go ahead. So what's, what's really neat that I love, which I'm, I'm piggybacking on what you just said, is not only are we trying to get away from PowerPoints and we're trying to get away from just the bullets and the black and white and the, you know, just the text, 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 but also the thing that I do a lot of, so I'm about to roll out 20, I'm sorry, 125 innovation centers for one organization. And, and those innovation centers, that sounds like a lot, like, oh my gosh, Diane, you're rolling out 125 innovation centers. But what we have determined is that these are visual and virtual innovation centers. And so the world needs not only visual learners, but they need virtual champions who are not afraid to turn on their webinars, who are not afraid to turn on their camera, who are not afraid to draw in front of a group and to bring visuals into the virtual space. So um, I was working with my husband the other day and he wasn't feeling good. And he said, Diane, can you help me? I'm supposed to do a presentation tomorrow and I only have 15 minutes. And so we whipped up a quick doodle and he took it to his office the next day and he presented it. And at the end of that presentation, his boss above his boss went and grabbed the board and ran it all the way up several flights of stairs to the top of leadership (laughs) and presented the idea. And right then and there, they decided to save $5 million on 
travel budgets because they were going to go virtual and visual way. And so everyone wants to go virtual, but they don't know how. And so what we're designing is a whole program to help you go into the virtual world and make it engaging and make it um, interactive and memorable because who wants to sit there for an hour online But what if you have this great activity, you still feel connected to your team, and you still get to sleep in your bed that night? Wow. Wow, that's uh, some great opportunities to, you know, change the way business is done, change people's lives, Uh, all because you're drawing and helping people, enabling people to draw, which is, that's that's right where I love to go to. So I'm I'm, I'm over here cheering and uh, excited to hear the kind of things that you're working on. That's great. So... So that's your corporate side. Now I know that you you run something else that's more geared to individuals who are really interested in uh, professional development or individual development. Why don't you talk a little bit about what you do there? Perfect. I'm so glad you asked because after I finished that last sentence, I was like, and that's not even the half of what I do. (laughs) (laughs) So, So the other half of me runs the Doodle Institute, which is my true passion project. I have, over the last two years, built nine online courses to create a learning pathway for visual learners and visual thinkers. So the the entry level is 21 doodle days. Just spend 21 days with me doodling. And there's um, a whole online little course with little um, activities that you can download. And then the next course is Sketchbook Basics, which is my version of sketchnoting because I always made journals as a kid. And so I always had a sketchbook. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we go into building your visual vocabulary with You Can Doodle. And then the next thing is once I get people learning how to draw and they're like, okay, I can draw. And they start sharing their work online. People start tapping them on the shoulder and saying, hey, I love the drawings you're doing. Can you design a t-shirt for my kid's soccer game? Or can you um, make a invitation for my friend's going away party? And so then we go into electronic doodles. How do you take this magic power that you have of knowing how to draw and start to take it into the digital world? So I talk about how do you take a picture with cam scanner? How do you draw on an iPad? How do you make one of those little whiteboard videos? And so electronic doodles helps them take their doodles into the electronic world. And now that they're like got some serious skills in the electronic doodles world, what happens is they need to then go into the next course, which is called Spirit of Doodles. And this is where, now that you have all this creativity that you are tapping into, how do you protect your creative energy? Because everyone's going to want a piece of it now. And you have to practice self-care for your creative energy and your well has to be full in order for you to give abundantly to your clients. So that's why the Doodle Institute is my passion project that feeds my creative well so that I can be so creative for my corporation. So it's this, this yin and yang. And then my final class is business of doodles. And it's like, how do you, how do you then run a business as a creative agent? So many people get thrown into that world and they don't have a lot of knowledge of how to write a contract, how to deal with lawyers, how to set up a business. And so business of doodles captures that. And then I have a mastermind where I meet with my students on a monthly basis. So the doodle Institute has incredible students from around the world who are coming to me looking for how do I unlock this creativity? And what I tell them is I tell them, 
I don't want to learn how to be an art therapist or be a psychiatrist or be a teacher, but I know that all of those careers and more can benefit by adding visual learning into their life. And so what I do is mm. start to unlock their own visual vocabulary and visual learning that's been totally taken away from them. It's like someone cut off a part of our ability to communicate. And so once they start accessing that again, now they sit there and they think, you know what, with my patient next month, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to ask her about her story and I'm going to draw her story with her. And, and I have true doctors that now do that with their patients. I have other um, women who are what I call incubating moms. And they're the moms who are at home with their little kids. They were probably a bank manager or something in the corporate world, but they've taken a, they've taken mm -hmm. a step out. And so there are these incubating moms and they're starting to think of what am I going to do whenever my oldest is in kindergarten or what am I going to do when my kids graduate from high school and I'm an empty nester. And so they start tapping into the, the Doodle Institute and they start thinking, oh, you know what? I could start doing my drawings for my beach body calls that I'm on every week because I do my beach body or I can do it with my essential oils group and I can create visuals of how to make a wonderful lavender tea. And so they start applying it to whatever is already in their life. And it's amazing to see the transformation that happens when they go through the courses. Wow. That's, that's really cool that you've created the whole structure that's uh, beginning to end and you've thought of all those things. Mainly, I would imagine, because you yourself have gone through all those things and have encountered maybe a lot of the things that you teach people to avoid or the things you wish you'd known uh, in a sense, right? You're, so you're sharing all the knowledge you've learned through your experience and making the process a little faster for those who are falling behind you, which is really cool. Absolutely. I have said I am a pioneer in this industry for the last 20 years, carving a wide path for others to follow behind me. And I always share my business model right behind me. And then it means I have to go push the business model even further. And I absolutely yeah. love that. I mean, a few years ago at the IFVP, I literally threw up my business model and I said, I need some competitors at this level. Here's my business model. And here's how I grew one of the largest networks in the U.S. Here's how I was doing all this. Here's my operating model. And others can be doing this because I'm not going to only run the largest network. Someone else needs to step into this space. And then I just keep pushing the envelope for visual learners. And what I really love is my international students who say, I'm like my one yesterday. I am one of four people practicing in Italy. Like, I feel really alone and I say, I know exactly what you feel like because I was the one person in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania trying to figure out this. Mm. And so I've done this for 20 years and I totally believe in giving away as much as I can because I get rewarded in other ways abundantly. And so the Doodle Institute is so affordable. Other, other um, training that's out there is thousands of dollars and I keep mine extremely uh, low priced as best I can so that I know some of my students have gone and asked multiple family members to collect 
funds to pay for the $249 for the package of six classes. And I value mm. that relationship. And I've gone to Puerto Rico where um, I met one of my students and all of the family that paid for that student to be able to go into the class and thank me for, for changing his life, you know? And so I know that value um, is not for necessarily the U.S. students. It's for the international students that I really love servicing. Mm, well, that's, uh, that's great. And I think, um, I feel like we sort of approach things in a similar way. Like I always think what's the long-term vision for this. And you've obviously been doing it for 20 years. I've been doing this, you know, specifically sketching for about 10 years and realized that even before that I was sort of doing it and experimenting with it and really got intentional about 10 years ago. Uh, actually this month, oddly enough. Um, so in, I think what I hear in what you're saying is this idea that we need to think farther. And just like you, like if I reach a certain point in my, you know, my growth, I want to have other people come to that level and keep pushing and making room, you know, making more opportunity out there. And I think that's sort of the next level thinking that I love to see where you're really sort of just getting people to that place. And I think, uh, there's just so many opportunities. It's like to think for whatever reason that only one person can do everything is kind of crazy. Like there's way too much opportunity and there's no way if every opportunity came to you, you wouldn't be able to do it all, right? You have to be aware of the things that are right for you and the opportunities that open up for you and then make opportunities for other people because then it just grows and it only verifies that visual thinking is important and companies are going to want more of it and they're just going to demand more people to do it. And it just makes more opportunities. So it's that, you know, the rising tide mentality is really, uh, I think, a, a, you know, it's not a, it's not a limited mentality. It's a, it's sort of a growth mentality. And I like, I like hearing that from you. Yes. And I really believe that if you start to hone all of these skills, um, you can, so I now compete. My proposals are bid right against entire agencies. So one organization, I did 25 animated videos in three months with an editor, myself, and a voiceover talent. And another agency would have had probably nine employees and they would have taken nine months to do it. And because I know everything, how to do the audio, how to do the artwork, how to do the editing. It's more than just, I know how to put pen to paper and sketch out an idea. I know how to execute mm -hmm. it all the way through. And I believe that that's what is needed more inside of organizations is people who are creative agents of one who can go and do their work. Because I see so many organizations and they are so built around project managers managing vendors instead of being able to do the work themselves because they, their hands are tied because they don't understand how to use tools. And that's what I do is I go in and I'm like, I am going to crack wide open your iPad, a microphone, a camera, and your laptop, and you're going to become an awesome, awesome champion inside this organization. And so I work with these people and I say, every week I want you to develop a leadership summary so that you can send to your leadership a one-page visual that says, here's what I did that's awesome this week. 
And the reason you're doing that is you're starting to build your power deck. And your power deck is what you use for your next job, your next position, whether you're moving laterally or whether you're moving up in an organization. And so they start to learn how to capture their story. And they start to learn that if I can start making whiteboard videos on my laptop, instead of going and asking a vendor who's going to storyboard it, who's going to get a designer, who's going to get a creative agent, who's going to get a this, and I can have it done by this afternoon, which I can show them, here, in two hours, here's how you can make a mini whiteboard using VideoScribe. And you can have it in your company's inbox in two hours. And they become these amazing agents inside their organization. What I call them is innovation champions. And every one of them has gotten promoted in this last two years. Everyone that I've coached on a personal level. Because we can do more. We're just, we don't have the mindset to do more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think once you sort of open up the channel that it's possible, like those, I'm sure those students start looking around at like, wow, I could use this here. I could use that there. I could use it here. Like, and that now it starts opening up like crazy um, that I've seen, you know, with sketchnoting uh, specifically where someone just sort of experimented. And once they adapted, you know, it to their uses, like they start finding all kinds of other uses where visualization really is helpful and it helps them either think through a problem or, communicate something with someone or, you know, capture information that helps them build their professional development or the personal development by using uh, this visual visualization and analysis that's part of it. Um, and that's really exciting to hear. Exactly. And they can use it in meditation. They can use it for creating a vision board for where they want to go with their life. They can use it when they go into church and they're listening to this week's message. I mean, they can start taking it into all these aspects of their life. They can make a routine chart with their three-year-old child to help them get out the door in the morning or help them go to bed at night. Like there's all these different applications. Is that you? Oops. That was me. Something played on me. I don't know that was weird. Okay, I'll, re- I'll try and catch that last minute. So you, you, you want to do that? Do that over again? I think I was just <laughs> saying. I think I was just saying. Um, there's lots of applications where you can apply this these techniques. Yep. Yeah, I think so. I think the more I explore and the more I experiment, the more I see that's true. That there's ways to apply it in in different ways and. I think that the thing I love about having a community is that there's people that think about using it in ways that I would never imagine. And I think that's the most exciting thing is just letting this concept be out there and then see how people adapt it. That's, that's pretty exciting. So and see thank you for sharing. Yeah. That's great. And, but also see how your children are using it. That's my favorite is to see yeah. how Lillian is like, look what I did with my social studies assignment or look how I'm planning my calendar because she's found, she's discovered bullet journaling, which is taking visual icons mm-hmm. into your calendar planning. And now, you know, she has an Instagram account and she spends all of her time looking at bullet journaling and planners. And, and I sit there and I think I was, I was doing those things in my, in my journal for years, you know, making a calendar or I'm traveling to Africa and I'm going to map out my two weeks and my itinerary. And so it's so neat mm-hmm. that, that everyone's finding new ways to, to bring these into their everyday that I, I tell all my students, you should have a bag of markers and some paper or what I love is four by six index cards um, in your purse at all times, in your glove box, in your go bag, because you can always write something or or do something visual so we do um 
I'll tell you one little game that we do. So whenever we go to a restaurant, which is very rare because we're one of those families that does eat home. But um, when we go to a restaurant, we're trying to wait for the food. We pass out index cards and we make a tic-tac-toe board. And my youngest couldn't write at the time. She couldn't write words, but she could do pictures. So we would say, okay, farm animals. And you drew a farm animal in each of your tic-tac-toe squares. And then one person made a list of farm animals. And so they read off their list and then you tried to make tic-tac-toe based on, um, based on what the caller was saying. And so we've done, you know, farm animals, we've done fruit, we've done letters if they knew letters, but it was a great way to visually engage in that, in that little bit of tertiary time whenever you're waiting for your food and you're spending time with your family and not your phone. And so um, I think it's a really great way to connect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So let's move from um, the, the kind of the work that you're doing to specific things that you're exploring right now with visualizations. Um, some of the things where you're applying this approach and something new that maybe could interest somebody who's listening and get them to try something out. Uh, what, what kind of things have been, have you been playing with? So I have, I have fallen absolutely in love with my iPad and my pencil, my Apple pencil. And um, I've literally made thousands of drawings on my iPad. And there's a program called Sketches 2. There are several out there and and play with them Mm -hmm. and see which one works for you. But I love Sketches 2. And here's what I love to do is I, I was talking to a student last night who said, what, how do you organize your white space? I don't understand how you always have white space. And I told her, I said, every time I'm drawing something, I'm giving myself a challenge. And I'm either giving myself a challenge of I'm going to listen to this podcast, or I'm going to read this blog, or I'm going to do this, and I'm going to fit it in XYZ model. Like I sketch out a model and I try and fit my content into there. And I said, here's what it does is it first of all, it makes you listen even more to what's going on. And it makes you also stop listening to what's not important because now you have a limited space. So my favorite thing to do right now is to find someone on Twitter, on social media that I think is awesome. And I, I find a favorite or, or normally I'm like on Periscope and I find someone's Periscope and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got to make a visual of this Periscope. So I pick Kim Garst or I pick Shalene Johnson or I pick, um, I forgot who my Des uh, Des Blanchfield just now from Australia, and so then I surprise them with a the doodle, and so um, mm. it's it's a fun way for me to always have a challenge. So sometimes my challenge is I'm going to do monochromatic, or I'm going to do um, some other kind of. I, I come up with a visual challenge and then I try and deliver it. So. I'll tell you one quick story about this guy, Des. So Des is from Australia and he tweeted, I think you and me and Sonny Brown and maybe Doug Neal and was like, Hey, I hear you guys are visual. Show me some pictures. And probably no one paid attention to his little tweet that he set up, but I saw it and I was like, show you some pictures. Boom. I'll show you some pictures. And I sent him like five pictures and then he wrote back, he goes, I think you're just showing off. <laughs> I said, I'm not showing off. You asked for some visuals. So then we got in this banter between Twitter. And he started, mm-hmm. he started Googling me and he's like, oh my God, who are you? Who is this Diane Black? And so we started bantering back and forth. And so I said, send me your favorite blog post. And so he sent me his favorite blog post. 
and I give myself only one hour to do it. So I have one hour to make one visual. Mm -hmm. And so I sent him the visual and then I waited because he was in Australia. So I had to wait for him to sleep through the night and then yeah. wait. And then as yeah. soon as he woke up, he was like, oh my God, I fell out of my chair. This is so awesome. And so my challenge for that one was how do I draw him as a space astronaut trying to understand blockchain and all this complex information and make it really simple for the everyday person to understand what he what he's trying to explain. And so my challenge for others is not only draw for yourself, but find someone that you admire and draw for them and send it as a gift. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. It's a great challenge. And I think I love the, you know, when I structure challenges for myself, I like doing the same thing. Like I'll have, I'll make little rules for myself. Like I got to do it in an hour or um, if I'm in a, if I'm listening to a talk, you know, a challenge for some sketch centers might be the challenge of just doing it while the talk is going on. Like once the guy stops talking or the woman stops talking, you got to stop drawing, right? Like whatever you got is what you got, right? It's, uh, and it, it's, you can make whatever rules you like. It's more the idea that, you know, you, you can do that and you sort of challenge yourself because, you know, it's not necessarily easy and that's the fun of it. Yeah, whenever I worked for Ted Med, I did Ted Med as an artist in residence for a couple of years. And um, I would listen to 81 speakers. And by the time the speaker's foot left the stage, their work was on social media. That was my challenge. Cool. It was awesome. Four days, 80 speakers. And it was just like, boom, 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 boom. That's cool. That's very cool. Um, any other uh, things that you're experimenting with? You, you mentioned uh, playing with your iPad and doing stuff that way. Anything, uh, any other experiments you're playing around with that you might want to share? Well, I absolutely also love Periscope, which you know. Um, and I think Periscope right. is fun for experimenting in regards of what is something you could teach that you know online on Periscope where you go live and include visuals into it. So top 10 tips for marketing how to use Periscope um, and, and create visuals for that because it's amazing how much more engaging that interactive experience is. It's already, what I also love about Periscope is it's already interactive. There's hearts, people are hearting it up, they're adding comments, uh, there's not as much of a delay as there is on uh, Facebook Live, and so it's this very live audience experience. But when you draw, whenever you engage with it, you can pre-draw and say, here's my icons and just flash them as flashcards. You can draw them live with the camera over you, covering your hand. You can draw it on a whiteboard behind you. I did 400 broadcasts last year because um, it's just so fun. I mean, it's really a really fun environment. And it's a great way to just go live and just go with it. Mistakes happen and you just learn to roll with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that's another, again, that's sort of putting yourself into a pickle is the way I like to say it. Like you just put yourself into a place where, um, you know, you just have to find your way out and you don't necessarily have to share it. So if you put yourself in that pickle, you know, you can certainly keep it to yourself until you're sure that it works. If you are maybe not as, uh, uh, willing to share that if you have mistakes, I think in some ways like showing your mistakes is actually the most honest way to go. And I've sort of over the last, you know, many years just been okay with having mistakes in my work and 
imperfections. Like I, I still contend that I often learn more from mistakes and the things that go wrong than the things that go right. Because the things that go right sort of hide opportunities. When things go wrong, it sort of pushes you to think like, oh, how could I solve that next time, right? It sort of changes your mindset. And that's some of the coaching that I do with my corporations whenever I do the virtual um, champion stuff is I say, you're going to go live with 350 people. And guess what? Technology will fail you every time. Technology will fail you. It will. And so what are our backups? How do, we, how do we then grab the iPad? How do we then grab this? How do we have a, a conference line open as well? Like you've got to have your back always. And I guess um, because I started out at Ernst & Young and I started out in this environment where we were trained as knowledge workers and we had to be able to do every role. It was kind of like being on a ship. You had to do every role and everything had a spot. And so by learning that, you learn all of the different positions. So anytime a man's down, you step right in. And it's the same thing with your technology, your tools, whatever. Whenever things go bad, you just roll with it. So I did the Doodle Summit last year this time, and it was a 12-hour live broadcast. I don't even think Katie Couric could do a 12-hour live broadcast. Live (laughs) broadcast with 21 presenters coming in and out, and we did it on my computer, on my webcam, on my home um, Wi-Fi. I had eight people in the house with me, so I had a live audience because I wanted that excitement, that energy. I wanted whenever you, Mike Rohde, came on that people applauded or Sonny Brown or Doug Neal. Muddy Water, my my partner in crime was here as my host, and Danielle Baird, who's wonderful at digital marketing. And and we pulled it off without, and, and there were glitches all around us. And at the end of the day, my team said, Diane, I don't know how you didn't even bat an eye whenever we lost this or we did this or we did that. And I said, you know what? I trusted we would figure it out and we would roll with whatever the next plan was. Cool. Well, that, that's uh, super inspiring. And I think it just sort of challenges anyone listening that there's so much more that you have an opportunity to do and that uh, you've just been challenged to kind of give it a try and go with it. I mean, so many times in my life, uh, not necessarily asking permission has been a pretty good thing, like just uh, trying and doing things. And you find that, you know, people like wonder, how did, how did you do that? It's like, I don't know. I just decided to try it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think uh, you sort of have a sense of what, you know, where you're going and you can try it. But I think, I think it's pretty exciting. It, it, just, it just opens up the door for more opportunities. And if you do something based on what you hear today, Definitely let us know so we can we can mention it uh, on the Sketching Army. Write us up, write something up for it so we can share it with other people because then the things you do then can inspire other people and just keeps on paying forward, which is pretty cool. Absolutely, and I will quote my son's favorite movie, which is Kung Fu Panda. He is two years old and he watches Fu Fu Panda all the time. And the quote is, "You will never know who you are if you only do what you can." And so. Mm-hmm. If you only do what you know, you'll never know all the things that you're capable of. And so 
wake up every day and think, how can I push this boundary? How can I push? I mean, and that's what I love doing. How can I push this boundary? Because I was told at 23, whenever I first started doing this, and I got paid $17.50 an hour, and I worked 144 hours in one week, and I'm not exaggerating, we would work from 6 a.m. till 2 a.m., and I started fighting for us to get more healthy wages. And now I just did one whole project and my invoice was $200,000. Like, and I was like, okay, I'm paid for the year. Like I'm constantly pushing the boundaries of what is possible for this one little doodle girl from Texas to be able to do. Cool, cool. Well, let's, um, let's make a shift now to um, tools. So uh, each show, we like to share uh, our guests' favorite tools and the things they're using, and that can be either digital or analog. You mentioned that you use an iPad Pro and a pencil, so maybe we could start there, and then we'll jump to analog after that. So tell me a little bit about which iPad you use, which size, uh, and then what kind of software that you like to use. Yes, so I have the iPad Pro, the bigger one. I have the Apple okay. Pencil. I have, I have several Apple Pencils because I keep them staged around the house. Um, I, I have two favorite apps, which is sketches two. And then mm -hmm. I also love Amazeograph. Amazeograph makes these mandalas. So you just draw one and it ripples it around the drawing for you. And so I do a lot of, um, free coloring sheets around the holidays or different times of year. Oh. And I, and I create those and they're so fun. And those literally take four minutes to make a whole coloring sheet. So I love Amazeograph. Um, so that's digital. Analog, I love my four by six white and plain unlined index cards. And I mm -hmm. use, I, my favorite thing to draw with is my Neuland outliner. Um, so I'm, I'm a Neuland fan and I use all of their markers and I absolutely adore them. The other thing that I love is every year I make a vision book. And so it's more than just like a vision board. I make a vision book that becomes part of my meditation. It becomes part of the way that I set my intentions for the year. It has my values. It has my word of the year. And um, it's a Strathmore mixed media journal. And it's about six inches by, I think, six by nine inches landscape. And... Okay. Um, and I use gouache on there. And gouache is a mix between acrylic and watercolor. And I love yep. getting messy with gouache. So that's one of my analog favorites. Um, and then in terms of capturing stuff, I absolutely adore the app Cam Scanner because it, it, it takes a photo of it. It squares it up for you. It makes it all nice and white and bright. And so I... <laughs> I teach all my students how to do that because you, if you take a wonderful drawing and, and you photograph it and it looks grayed out and it looks yellowed, you're not doing yeah. the drawing any justice. And so I tell them, don't let your picture speak about your photography. Let it speak about your drawing and make sure you always sign every drawing because you never know who's going to see it, who's going to retweet it, and who's going to come back and hire you. Wow. Well, just, those are some great tools. And I think, um, again, you know, you're, you keep it simple and you, uh, you focus on a few things and know them well. And I think that's a path for success. I think what I discovered right away when I had the iPad pro a little while ago is I tried all these apps and they're still on the iPad someplace, but I found that there were some that just lined up and worked really well for me. And I just focused my time on those. And I think that's, 
that seems like a good path. And then as you have time, you can explore the other ones and see if, you know, does he, do I outgrow that one? I thought that was great. Or maybe the other one does some things better, but uh, being able to focus and really know a tool, I think has its advantages for sure. And the same thing with, you know, keeping it simple with those four by six uh, cardstock and, and your, and your pens um, is great because you don't get too fiddly, right? It's really easy to get lost in, in uh, tools and then you don't actually do any work. So I think, uh, Keeping that simple is a great, a great tip for someone. Yes, and I still have an entire upstairs filled with art supplies because we are constantly making some kind of project in this house. So we have this upstairs art <laughs> that has any color of cardstock, paints, paint brushes. Because, um, I mean, that's what my kids do. We come home and we go upstairs and we make something every day. Cool. Well, that's, that's a, that's another inspiration with, you know, I have young kids and uh, I've been thinking a lot about finding ways to integrate what I like to do with them. I would, I have a seven year old who's starting to get to the point where she can definitely start sketchnoting, mixing words. She's doing lots of reading, but even the four year old, we can start getting him going on stuff and we do occasionally it's just a matter of doing it more often. So that's great to hear. Um, so let's, um, we're getting near the end here. And what I want to do is wrap it up with uh, your three tips for someone who's uh, getting into sketchnoting, visual thinking, wanting to do more creative stuff. What are three things that can be uh, mindset uh, tips and tricks, um, principles, anything you think that would help someone who's listening, thinking, I just want to get better at this. What, what are some ideas from Diane? Yeah, and I, I had a chance to think about this, and um, these are the things that I tell my students all the time. So the first one is try and doodle something every day. Try and draw something every mm. day, even if it's on a post-it note and it's a love note to your child or it's a little note to a coworker or it's the back of an envelope, um, but, but try and draw every day. And the reason is when you put pen to paper, you open your heart channel for ideas, insights, and inspirations. And you start to say, I want to access the creative world. And what happens is when you do it every day, the creative world says, oh, here's a flood of amazing ideas for you because you've opened up that channel. And so it's important to doodle every day. Um, the second thing is, is to remember that this is not about art. It's about ideas. Um, so let those gremlins, um, take a back seat. And so what I tell my students frequently is, um, where the creative portal is from the physical world to the creative world is guarded by gremlins and they don't want you to go into the creative world. And those gremlins are going to come in every time you think you're going to access it. And they're going to tell you your artwork's not good, or they're going to tell you you're not smart enough or whatever. And what you have to do is, um, you have to send out your unicorn and they love to eat the gremlins. And so you just send out your unicorn and they'll go gather up the gremlins for you. And I, and I tell my students that all the time and they just laugh and I go, and if your unicorn isn't ready to go eat, gremlins mine will go eat them for them so if you have to just say i'm gonna send diane's unicorn to go eat these gremlins because it's <laughs> not about the gremlins it's about just getting the idea on paper yep and then my last one which my students will hear me say this all the time is i encourage you to draw with a child it is magical to sit down and discover the world together on a piece of paper 
and you are giving that child permission to access the creative world and there are too many children out there that were told not to go play there. And so mm. highly tell everyone, if you see someone who's upset at the airport, if you see a little kid who's having a hard time, sit and just draw with them. And yesterday we came home and my, my little guy Jack is two and he loves, we just pull out a piece of paper, we get a marker and, and we draw the same things over and over. He wants me to draw a chicken. He wants me to draw a snake. He wants me to draw a dragon. And we just draw them over and over. And I did that with my girls. I had four by six index cards, which I told you I love. I get those clear um, little, um, their little albums, the like photo albums mm -hmm. at Walmart for $1.50. And we make a little mm -hmm. portfolio of their drawings. And Lily's portfolio, whenever she was two, was all... Uh, goats. I don't know why, but she just wanted me to keep drawing a goat over and over. So I drew a goat every day for her. We put it in her little portfolio. We build her portfolio. Lucy's was all mermaids and Jack's is all snakes and dragons and um, chickens because we have chickens out in our backyard. So, um, but when you draw with a child, something really magical happens for both of you. Mm hmm yeah, and I guess my recommendation is if you happen to be someone who doesn't have kids, um, you know, go visit your uh, your uh, brother who has kids or, you know, find find ways where uh, kids can be involved where you can actually sit down and offer to draw with them. That's There's there's got to be ways to do it that are uh, probably not too far away. Um, look for those opportunities. And look for a way to cool. even go and teach a class. I mean, you could teach at a local yeah. Yeah. Second grader, I'm going into an orphanage in Mexico and taking several of my books and teaching a doodle class with them. I mean, there's a lot. I have one student that goes into the nursing community, nursing homes, and she doodles with the dementia patient, and it's amazing what happens to them. There's there's someone who you will change their world by doodling with them. Wow, wow. Well, that's that's just fantastic, and. Um, I'm so glad that we could have you on the show and uh, to share sort of what you're doing and how you're having an impact on the world. And I just hope um, people listening are as inspired as I have been hearing all the stuff that you're doing. And it's just great to sort of share this, uh, this space in this community with you and to feel like there's, you know, there's more people out there that are moving it forward and making opportunities for people. I think that's just a great uh, sign of a healthy community. So thanks for, thanks for all you do and how you're sharing and making lives better for people that, uh, that follow you and that work with you. Well, thank you for what you're doing because it's been so fun to watch this whole explosion of the Sketchnote Army. And all of my students love your work and Sunny Brown's work and Doug Neal's work. And they do need all of these. I mean, they need all of these different opportunities to learn and they mm -hmm. need to create the content that they have in their heart themselves and step into this ocean. It's, it's, it's big enough for so many more. Yep. I agree. I totally agree. I think it's a, it's a great opportunity. And um, if you're listening and you have some ideas on how you can have an impact, then uh, this sounds like this is your permission slip to, uh, to go do that thing and, and have your impact. So thanks again for making time. And uh, I will say that's an awesome wrap and we will wrap the show with that. So until the next episode of the Sketch to an Army podcast, this is uh, Mike Rohde and Diane signing off and saying, see you soon. Bye.